0: all right let's pray father in the name of jesus christ we thank you for your wisdom we thank you for your kindness we thank you for your grace that you have displayed in our lives uh we are are eternally grateful one thank you for a new month as well um you brought us into this new month um in peace in health and we say thank you we thank you for taking us all through the months in this year and the victories we have seen manifest in our lives we're eternally grateful dear lord we ask that as we as we look into your word today holy spirit we ask for for understanding we ask we ask that you teach us yourself um we ask that you bring into our lives the experience and the reality of what Your word talks about. We pray for everyone who hasn't joined yet. We ask, dear Holy Spirit, that you um, prompt them and make it possible for them to come in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for utterance to speak your word with simplicity and in power. Thank you, dear Lord, for in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right. Amen. 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 Hope we're doing very well. So today's topic um, is how God speaks, and this would be um, the direction we'll be looking at for the next couple of weeks. I want to see how God speaks. And why is this important? It's important because um, out of, you know, there are several religions in the world, right? One of, these, one of the distinguishing things about Christianity is that our God is alive. Every other religion's God or leader, in quotes, is, is dead, all right? Um, but ours is alive, our And basic science tells us that one of the characteristics of living things is that they communicate um, in one way or the other, right? And that's what one of the things that baffles other people about Christianity is that the God we are serving doesn't just, didn't just have a, a set of rules and regulations written down in the Bible and then that's the end. He's actively communicating to us um, every day um, in various ways, in various manners, in, in different, you know, different means, in different, um, uh, methods. Okay. So it's something that is super important because this is where, this is one of the areas that differentiates us as believers from other religions or other people, you know, that claim to serve God. And Jesus Christ himself said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So God, God speaks that that's, that's what this means. God actually does speak. And it's important we understand how he speaks because <clears throat> our because of our human experience there is a bias that we are naturally tilted to okay and we are tilted to the bias that is familiar with the way we speak with the way we communicate. So, for instance, I'm speaking with faith and we're talking in English, and we're communicating, and if I if I take that to God, right? If I take that. Um, um, Familiarity of communication to and um, superimpose it on the way God communicates. I might be disappointed to an extent, and I may just begin to say, Oh, God doesn't speak again. Because when I speak with faith, I hear her voice. Um, if we're together in the same physical space, or we're, let's say we're having a video call, I can see her gesticulations, I can see her, her eye movements, body movements, and all of that. So that is what I understand communication to be. But then, how do I speak or hear from a God? that doesn't I, that i can't see with my physical eyes all right so there's almost going to be a problem at, at, at that point if i'm expecting god to speak the way i hear you know faith speak for for example so i want to understand how god speaks because this is crucial to our everyday life all right um direction is a vital part of our Christianity because we are not called to give ourselves direction. We are called to receive directions from God and then follow through on those directions. However, we cannot receive direction if we don't know how he communicates. Okay. So want to see how God speaks. Um, And I use the word speak here, not, not in a sense to say that every communication of God is vocal, but just to capture the, the whole idea of perception. All right. So we're going to look at this in today in not not we're going to start looking at this in you know from today's Bible study. All right, okay. So um, before I continue, please for those of us on Zoom, kindly confirm that you can hear me so that we are on the same page. Kindly confirm that can hear me. Okay, I see thumbs up on Zoom. Oh, thank you. Sorry for those of us on Mixellar. Actually, I meant (laughs) Mixellar. Kindly confirm you can hear me if you're on Rick Seller. Um, just drop something on the chat. Let me know you can hear me. <clears throat> All right. So, our, our opening text is Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. Um, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. We will just read verse 1 and verse 2, I believe. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. All right. So we want like I said, want to see how God speaks. And um, today's study is to give a foundation for it. I know that, I mean, we will definitely look at the various ways, various channels he speaks through, dreams, visions, you know, perception of the heart and all of that. But I, what I want to do today is to lay a very, very important foundation. All right. Um, so that we are not, we are not, um, so that we're not misguided. Okay. so. Today is to lay an important foundation. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. The Bible says, God, I'm reading from King James Version. I'll I'll read another translation, but let me just start with King James. Um, Verse 1 says, God who at sundry times. uh, Mixer, I haven't seen a confirmation from you guys yet. So please let me know if you can hear me. Just drop a comment in the chat. Um, Let me know you can hear me. All right, so God who at sundry times and in various manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. All right, Um, so the Bible says, okay, thank you very much. I see a confirmation on Mixelar. Yes, you can hear me. All right, thank you. So the Bible says that God in sundry times or in times past, in diverse manners, so in times past, what God did was that he used various means and various ways, right, to speak to our forefathers, and he did that by the prophets. But then in this last day, the Bible says that God has spoken unto us by his son. And it's interesting that um, the KJV uses the past tense, says, in this last days he has spoken unto us by his son, meaning the coming of Jesus Christ encapsulated everything that God wanted to say. Everything that God has been trying to say in, in bits and pieces and in various, various manners, <clears throat> the coming of Jesus Christ encapsulated everything. And then he says that, um, whom he has appointed head of all things, by whom he has also made the world. So permit me to read this from the um, Passion Translation. So, I'm reading from the Passion Translation and I want to explain some things. So, I'll break, I'll break the reading at some point. It says, Through our, throughout our history, so this is the Passion Translation, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. So, first is that the way God spoke to the people in those days or in the olden days um like we said is that he spoke through his prophets so a prophet will arise for instance prophet isaiah would come and speak you know the mind of god for that season or or give prophecies you know for even years and dispensations to come you know um prophet Jeremiah came and spoke um samuel spoke there were just several prophets that came and at different points they spoke and if you study the prophets, you find out that each prophet had sort of a unique kind of dealing with God, and that also meant their message was somewhat unique, all right? Their message were, messages were from God, but they were unique. They, they, were, they represented bits and pieces of the information that God wanted to communicate to his people, you know, per season. Now, look at what it says. It says, the revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time. Building one truth upon another. So the way God communicated with the um people in with our forefathers in those days, right before the coming of Jesus Christ, was that he gave them fragments of information. What God wanted to say was so much, but he couldn't communicate everything at once through one person. So what he did was he gave them fragments of information, he revealed himself in fragments, he 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 spoke to them in bits and pieces, and most times he spoke particularly to the situation they were facing part-time. And that didn't afford him the opportunity to say everything he wanted to say because there are times when the Israelites were stubborn and he had to address their stubbornness. But in that, in addressing their stubbornness, he spoke an eternal purpose, but he frag- fragmented that message to fit their, their particular context. Let me give an example so you understand what I mean. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter, we're going to come back to this, but just permit me, to make a little detail, i'm going to make several of these details anyways so deuteronomy chapter eight i want to show you something deuteronomy chapter eight verse let's start reading from verse one mm, you know, no. know let's just go let's just go to verse three deuteronomy chapter eight verse three this was moses speaking he says and he humbled you so he was speaking to the israelites trying to explain what god had what god did to them and the experience they had in the wilderness he says and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger that he allowed you to to be hungry and he fed thee with manna which thou knowest not neither did thy fathers know and the reason is that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the father does man live so at this point the Israelites were going through the through the wilderness and God allowed them to be hungry that's what Moses was explaining to them Moses was giving was giving them insight he says God allowed you to be hungry God allowed you to you know to be thirsty and tired and all of that and then he gave you manna which you did not know neither did your fathers know and the reason why he did that was because he wanted to give you an important message that man does not live on bread alone but on but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the father now that's message he gave them was that experience right he allowed them go through right the manner experience and everything was a solution for that particular context however in his speakings and his solution for that context he communicated an eternal truth that was part of a general body of knowledge he wanted to communicate to them and how do we know this we know this because when you go to matthew chapter 4 when jesus christ was tempted jesus christ brings this up again and he responds to the devil and says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the father. So we see that even though this, was, this information was um, pe- peculiar to the experience the Israelites had at that point in time, yet that it, that experience contained a vital truth that was eternal in its application as well. So God many times spoke to the prophets in fragments, but every fragment was part of a holistic you know, body of knowledge that he was trying to communicate to his people. All right, so let's go back to um, Hebrews chapter one now. So we're still reading. It says, "The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another." Again, this was the way God God spoke to um, to the Israel. That he's, he um, he spoke to them in fragments and in bits. All right. And what that, what, what, one, one perfect example of this is what happened in, um, in the book of Exodus. So let's take a look at it. Exodus chapter 6, verse, verse 3. Exodus chapter 6, verse 3. Remember the Bible says that he spoke, he um, says the revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time. So let's look at something. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3. all right exodus chapter 6 verse 3 um, it says now this was god speaking to moses he says and I, I appeared unto abraham unto isaac and unto jacob by the name god almighty or by the name el shaddai then he goes on to say but by my name jehovah was i not known to them and this was god and 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 god was speaking to moses to ex to tell him to bring a new re- a, a new insight or to bring a revelation of his identity to moses and what he said to moses was that when i appeared to abraham to isaac to jacob right i appeared to them with the revelation of el shaddai that is god almighty but by my name jehovah there were was i not known to them so god intentionally fragmented the revelation of himself of himself rather to the forefathers and that was because there was no one person or no one instant or experience that could capture his entirety or the message he was going to communicate to humanity all at once. There was no one person that could capture that. Neither was there one experience that could capture it. So when you see the story of Moses, when you read the story of Samson, we read the story of Samuel mm-hmm. and Isaiah and everybody, their experiences communicated a, a, a fragment of the knowledge of God. But it was never the entirety of God and that was going, that was going to be a problem because God in himself is eternal and vast if we are going to wait for if we're going to wait for if we're going to know God based on the experiences of people alone then I we might never really come to or really understand God it would have taken us a lot of time like millennia to really understand God so what God did was in in this next verse so let's read So we're reading, for those of us joining us, we're reading Hebrews chapter 1. I'm just going to start, I'm going to read verse 1 again, but we're reading verse 1 and verse 2. So let me take verse 1 again, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says, throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. And, and. This is exactly what happened. Like I said here, that God revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai. But when Moses came, right, he built upon that revelation and then he revealed himself to to Moses as Jehovah. Okay, that's the self-existing one. All right. Now look at verse two. It says, but in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son, the appointed heir of everything for through him, God created the panorama of all things and all time. Um, The Bible now says that in time past, God fragmented his information and all of that. But now what God does is that he is speaking to us through his son, meaning everything God wants to say can be found in Jesus. Everything God wants to speak to you and I can be found in Jesus. And I want to read, a commentary that um, the Passion, Passion Translation puts, right? And it's just an interesting clip I want to read out. It says that, the commentary here says, when we speak in English, God speaks in Son. For Jesus is the language of God. I love that. Jesus is the language of God. So right now I'm communicating to us in English. The reason why you're able to understand me is because I'm speaking English and you can understand English and you can understand What I'm communicating because I'm communicating the language you understand. The way God communicates to us now is in the language of the Son. So, the, 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 the method of God's communication is the Son, and that's Jesus Christ. So, what I put here, said here in my notes, is that Jesus Christ is both the language and the vocabulary of the Father. So, when God wants to speak, he speaks. In the language of jesus and the content itself is jesus all right so this is what i mean the container um so i have a i have a glass case here in my hand the container so this glass case is a container that that carries the glass inside okay so let's assume just 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 assume assume i want to send a message to you all right and i i, I wrote a wonderful note in this wonderful message on this piece of paper and then I, you know, wrap it up and then I put it in this container and I deliver it to you. Now, this, this container in itself is not the message, but it carries the message that I have for you. All right. Now, in this example, you, this message will not get to you without this container because the container is what conveys the message. All right. And then you open it up and you can read the message. Now, what I'm saying is that God wanted to communicate his message or wants to communicate his message to us. And what he did was that he had to put the message in a container and send it to us. But it so happens in this case that both the container and the message is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the language and the vocabulary of the father. So when God wants to speak, he speaks in the language of Jesus. He speaks in the language of his son. And I love what the way, um, you know, the, part, the commentary that the Passion Translation has. And let me just read it one more time to us. It says, we speak in English. God speaks in Son. For Jesus is the language of God. And this would help us understand the dispensation that we are in right now. The dispensation that, that was before... Um, was a dispensation where God had to fragment the message. He had to break it down, break it down, break it down. And for you to understand, for you to have an increased knowledge of God, you need, you, need, you needed to study all the ways and methods and manners in which we spoke to the prophets. Okay, all right. But when Jesus Christ came, what God did was that he summed up everything he was going to say and put it in one person, his son, Jesus Christ, such that when you, when you watch Jesus or listen to Jesus or however you assimilate Jesus, you will get the entire complete message of the father. All right. And why is this important? It's important because we need to know the the boundaries of the speaking of God. All right. And this is why Jesus Christ is exalted above every prophet, above every um, king, above everybody that, that was before him because he's the embodiment of the message Of the Father, all right. So I said here that the interpretation. Now, now, having said what I just said, next thing I want to say is that the interpretation and the meaning of the law and the prophets are found in Jesus Christ. So remember that everything, every time God spoke, you know, to the to our forefathers, right, and He spoke through the through the prophets. The the speakings were fragments of a complete message. So just think about a puzzle, for instance. Every time God spoke, it was just a piece of the puzzle he revealed to the people. Never at any time did the people have the complete image of that entire puzzle. All they received was a piece of the puzzle, a piece of the puzzle, a piece of the puzzle, and it was not sufficient enough to capture the entire message. So what God did was that he sent Jesus Christ, who is now the complete picture of the message of God. So to understand the speakings of the prophets and of the law, you you can only understand them in the light of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ came to give us the perfect interpretation and perfect meaning and understanding of what was written in the law and the prophets. All right. So when you read, for instance, um, when you read, for instance, do not commit adultery. Oh, we, up until Jesus Christ came, what we understood that to mean was, Well, don't go and steal your, don't go and take your neighbor's wife or husband. Don't go and snatch somebody's um, spouse. Um, Hell, that is adultery. So that was the way we understood adultery. But when Jesus Christ came, because he's the complete message of the father, he came and gave us the perfect interpretation of what adultery means. And he says, you know what? You don't even need to go and have physical contact with somebody's husband or wife, that you just merely looking lustfully at a person. equals to you committing adultery and that nobody knew that before up until jesus christ came and gave us that understanding so that suggests to us that even the speakings of the prophets even though they were accurate yet they were incomplete all right so the speakings of the prophets before jesus christ were accurate yet incomplete the completion and the the interpretation is found in Jesus Christ. And I, I want to give us an example, just a very classic example of what I'm talking about. <clears throat> and by the way, there are several examples, but I just want to give us, you know, one of these examples. And we'll turn our Bibles to John chapter eight. I, and I, like I said to us at the beginning, today's um study is very foundational, and this is foundational to every other thing we'll speak, we'll talk about. So I want to take, I want to take our time to um lady foundation basically so john chapter 8 verse 1 is that verse 1 yes verse 1 to 11 john chapter 8 verse 1 to 11 please read for us if you are there anybody on zoom that is there should please go ahead and read for us john chapter 8 verse 1 to 11 someone coming to my rescue John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. All right, let me read. So it says that um, Jesus Christ, no, I'm reading from King James Version. So Jesus went on to the Mount of Olives. Um, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just a minute. Okay, let's continue. So Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Olives and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Verse 3 says, And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set when they had set her in the midst, they say they say unto unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act, act. So this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Um Verse five. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what says thou? Verse six. This they say, tempting him, so they were tempting Jesus Christ, um, that he might that they might have to accuse him. So they were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus Christ of breaking the law or you know faulting what Moses said. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So basically, just sort of ignored them. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And, and they which had it being convicted of their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those nine, where are those thine accusers? Hath no one condemned thee? Verse 11, she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto him, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. All right. So this is an interesting story. One that many of us have might have already heard. But there was this woman caught, caught in adultery. And the Pharisees, Pharisees came and said, um, the scribes and Pharisees came and said, according to the law of Moses, anybody that is caught in adultery should be stoned to death. Now, what they were saying is that anybody caught in adultery should be, should be, judgment should be carried out upon that person. And the judgment would be, should be executed by the people that were present. either those that caught, you know, high in, caught high in adultery or um, the people of the community They should basically execute judgment on this person caught in adultery. Now, they brought this to Jesus and reminded Jesus of what the law said. And um, what Jesus Christ said in essence to them was that if you are without sin, you should cast the first stone. So what he did was to give an interpretation of the law of Moses that these people did not even know about. And what was that added um, dimension that they were ignorant about? It was the execution Parts, all right yes the law says you should um stone anybody that's with adultery but if you are going to be qualified to execute judgment then you yourself will have to be flawless because only those that are flawless should be able to execute judgment all right and we just Christ kind of brought that dimension to them um the bible says that everybody by his own conscience you know took a step back And they couldn't execute that judgment anymore. And the only person that was flawless enough to have cast a stone at the woman was Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus Christ said, I do not condemn you. Go and see no more. So what they did not understand was that there was no, when when God comes, he doesn't come with condemnation. All right. And this dimension was only revealed through Jesus Christ. And what I went went through this and I'm, I'm reading all this just to explain that the interpretation of the law and the prophets can only be accurately found in Jesus Christ. All right. And there are several other examples. Um, the time when the, the disciples were going through a farm on the Sabbath and they were hungry and then they plucked from the, you know, from the crops there and began to eat. And the Pharisees came and said, Oh, you guys are, are walking on the Sabbath day. You guys, and I really this Sabbath issue was a very big deal because and I'll, I'll give another example. But he came and said, The Pharisees said, You guys are breaking the Sabbath and all of that. And Jesus Christ answered them and says, What are you guys saying? Haven't you read that Moses, when he was hungry with his you know soldiers, went into the temple and they ate from the sacred bread that only the priest should have eaten? And then he said something very powerful: He said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Basically saying that man is superior to the Sabbath, that God instituted the Sabbath to save man, not man to save Sabbath. So if there's a situation where, for, for lack of a better words, where the, the life of a human being is in jeopardy, then it can be, that life should be saved even on the Sabbath. And th- that it's the same, you know, philosophy that he communicated to the Pharisees when he healed um, the crippled on the Sabbath, basically saying that if you had a sheep or a, a cattle, you know, that fell into a ditch on the Sabbath. Won't you save that cattle? And he said, "If you save a cattle, why don't you think a man can be saved on Sabbath?" Again, exalting the place of man above the Sabbath. But all I'm saying is that the interpretation of the law and prophets could only find accurate, you know, meaning in Jesus Christ. All right. That's because Jesus Christ is the message. In fact, like Hebrew says, is the language of God. All right. So. Now, having said that, I um, also want to say that the summary the, or the summation of everything God would speak, right, is in Jesus Christ. The summary of everything God would speak is in Jesus Christ. And the way I put it here is that Jesus is the embodiment of everything God has said or will ever say. Again, let me take that. Jesus is the embodiment of everything God has said or will ever say. So if you look at the Old Testament, New Testament, everything talks about Jesus Christ. He's the embodiment of the speakings of God. All right. Now, what does this mean for us in practice? What this means is that every time God speaks, in whichever way he decides to speak, it must be filtered through the person of Jesus Christ. So every time we, we believe we've heard God, or we are, we are convinced we've heard God and God spoke to us, the litmus test is that it's passi- it passes the test of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? It means that the speakings of God must be in line with the character of Jesus Christ. All right? So Jesus Christ, and the, I mean, the person of Jesus, the character of Jesus, our understanding of Jesus Christ sets the boundaries for the speakings of God. Okay? What I, what I mean in practice is this um let's say le- i mean let me use faith again as an example let's say um i and faith are neighbors for instance and then faith has a very cute dog that i love to play with and then faith comes one day and she doesn't find her dog and she goes around asking everybody where's her dog where's her dog she doesn't find it and then she comes to me and says oh victor have you seen my dog and i say oh yes that um you know actually your dog is now my dog and she's lost. I like, I don't understand what happened. She said, then I tell her, and say, you know what? When you went to work in the morning and you left the dog at home, as I saw the dog, God spoke to me and, say, and said, this dog is now your own. Go and take it and possess the dog. It's now your dog. And so I went and I took your dog faith. So this dog automatically becomes my own because I heard from God. Now, you, you don't even need any gift of the spirit to know that what I thought I heard is not from God all right so let's let's assume i am not faking it let's assume i genuinely quote and unquote heard somebody or that i believe is god speak to me you you can already tell that that is not god speaking to you Mm -hmm. because the speaking is not in agreement with the character of jesus so jesus will not steal anybody's property let alone any i mean will not steal anybody's dog or anything all right Jesus will not will not do that. And so God cannot ask you to do what is not in the character of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. So Jesus Christ sets the boundaries for the speakings of God. And you know why this is also super important is because many times when God speaks, you know, God is spirit, right? The Bible says in John chapter four, that God is spirit and those who worship him, worship in spirit and truth. But the, the key part is that God is spirit. And it so happens that God is not the only spirit, all right? The devil is also a spirit. And the way spirits communicate generally would be the same. If you don't know how to differentiate the speakings of God, you might hear the devil speak and think it is God speaking to you. And why, So, and this is why we're starting with this fundamental um, basic, that everything God speaks must be in the character of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the embodiment of the message of God. In fact, like Hebrews says it in the passion translation, Jesus Christ is the language of the Father. All right? Okay, so let us take this a step further. Um John chapter 5 verse 39 and 40. Just want to take this a step further. John chapter chapter 5 Verse 39 to verse 14. All right. So don't forget Jesus Christ is the embodiment of the word of God is the embodiment of the message of God. Jesus Christ is the set, the boundaries for the speakings of God. All right. And a simple way to know if God is the one speaking or not is to see if, if that's with what you heard right? Passes the test of Jesus Christ. Okay. And how then do we know Jesus Christ or how then do we um, understand Jesus Christ, right? Because we've said again that, um, before we read the scripture, let me just, you know, backtrack what we've agreed on so far. We've agreed that in times past, God spoke in bits and pieces, right? Through the prophets. But now he has spoken in a holistic measure through Jesus Christ. So the complete and the entire message is revealed through jesus christ we have agreed that but then how do we know jesus christ or how do we understand this jesus christ so that we can vet every speaking through this knowledge of jesus christ and know when god is speaking or when or when it's not god speaking all right and this is where we are reading so john chapter 5 verse 39 to verse 40 verse 39 and verse 40 give me one minute please All right, so John chapter um, 30, John chapter 5, sorry, verse 39. I want to read this also in the Passion. Okay, let let me read from the King James Version, then I'll read the Passion Translation. It says that search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and ye will not. Come to me that you might, you might have life. Let me read this in the Passion Translation. It makes it easier for us. Um, So John 5, 39 and 40. Okay. It says, you are busy analyzing the scriptures, pouring over them, hoping to gain eternal life. Everything you read points to me. And I want you to note that because that's my real emphasis. Everything you read points to me, verse 40, yet you, you still refuse to come to me so that I can give you the life you are looking for, eternal life. So Jesus Christ said to these people that you are busy, you know, reading scripture, studying, analyzing it, because you believe that in it co- um, contains eternal life. Yet everything in the scripture points to me. And this is, this is the message I want to bring at this point, that everything in scripture points to Jesus Christ. All right. Yes, there are stories in the Bible, but in, we, in those stories, they point to Jesus. Yet, yes, there is history in the Bible, yet in those his, in that history or in the history, it points to Jesus. Yes, there is um, poetic writings in the Bible, but in those poetic writings, everything points to Jesus. So the question you may ask, uh, we, we ask earlier is, how do we know, know Jesus Christ? How do we, if Jesus is the embodiment of everything God wants to say, yes, I'm excited. So how do I know this Jesus? Because he's, not, he's no longer physically here on earth, all right? So, how then do we know him? The answer is that every scripture points to Jesus Christ. So, the entirety of what we know to be the Word of God points to Jesus. And this will drastically change your Bible study if you have this in mind. If you read the scripture with the, with the understanding that everything you are reading points to Jesus. Then you'll be amazed at how you see Jesus Christ in every story. From Abraham to Moses to from back to Genesis to the Israelites, the the Lord, the prophets, everything you begin to see Jesus Christ in the story, in scriptures. All right. So every scripture points to Jesus Christ. Every scripture points to Jesus Christ. Again, I repeat every scripture points to Jesus Christ. So when we read the word of God, like I said, there are, there are interesting stories. You read about Samson and how he, you know, taught the, killed the lion, how he, you know, killed a thousand people the a jawbone, jawbone of a donkey, and it's exciting. But in that story, can you find Jesus Christ? If you've not yet found Jesus Christ, then keep on reading because every story, every scripture, the, the compil- compilation of scripture Rather points to Jesus Christ, okay. So that is how we know about Jesus Christ. We know about Jesus Christ through the scriptures. All right, Second um, Timothy three verse sixteen. Let me read that. Still talking about the scriptures. Second um, Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. Where is that? All right, says um, all scripture is God. You know, it's God breath, and it's profitable for. All right, so he says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So uh, Paul here was speaking to Timothy and say he said that all scripture, everything in entirety you read, is give, given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. All right, by the inspiration of God rather, and he says that it is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness and those four things he lists summarize the speakings of god for doctrine reproof correction instruction in righteousness the entire um, speakings of god is contained in scripture all right? okay and this scripture scriptures rather talk about jesus christ talk about one person jesus christ they all point to one person jesus christ and that again, supports the fact that, um, like Hebrew says, Jesus Christ is the language of the Father. Every time God speaks, he speaks in the language of Jesus. And how do we know this Jesus? It is through scripture. All right. So this brings me to the final part of, you know, for today's study. And I, I, I can tell it's a short one, but I want us to stop at this on this final note. And it's the understanding of the word of God, what we call, you know, what we call the Bible. Um, let's, let me start reading. Let's, let's read Re- Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 to 13. I want to show you something there. Revelations chapter 19, verse 11 to 13. All right. You know, I've said this, you know, before, but I'll keep saying this, that, you know, when you read it, when you read the um epistle. When we read, especially the letters of Paul, you see that Paul typically followed a a particular pattern of writing, where he starts off by a um, a doctrinal perspective to what he what he wants to talk about in that epistle. Starts off by write by you know correlating some you know spiritual mysteries from scriptures to lay a solid foundation, and then later on he, he goes on to begin to. Talk about the practical application of these you know, mysteries or these doctrinal um, things he just spoke about. So again, for instance, when you read, when you read um, Ephesians, Paul starts by talking about how we are placed in Christ, um, how the, we, are, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ, talks about the dispensation of, of grace and all of that. But by the time you come to chapter 4, he begins to talk about practical things and says, you know what, if you used to lie, stop lying. If you used to steal, stop stealing, go and walk with your hands. He goes chapter five and says, Um, husband, love your wives. You know, wives, submit so your husbands. And he goes, says, don't we get drunk with wine wearing the excess. And then in chapter six, he begins to talk about, you know, the armor of God, how we wear the armor, what the armor is all about. But he started off with some doctrinal p- perspective, right? Which is a very balanced way of approaching things, starting from the scriptural or doctrinal perspective of those things. And then we go into the application in our lives. All right. So I'm just trying to tell you that that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Okay. So Revelation chapter 19 verse, um, verse 11 and 13, verse 11 to 13. All right. It says, and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture, that's with a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And of course, this person um, we're talking about here is Jesus Christ. And the Bible gives us a description and a definition of Jesus Christ. And it says that his name is called the word of God. Now, Jesus Christ is the word of God. And I'm saying, putting this plainly, you know, for everybody, right? Not just for those of us here, but even for those who listening, who listen to a podcast later or, you know, what the videos later that Jesus Christ is the son of God, right? Um, Jesus Christ is the word of God. I mean, yes, Jesus Christ is the son of God, but my emphasis here is the fact that Jesus Christ is the word of God. Now, when we say Jesus Christ is the word of God, the, again, let's do a little linguistic investigation. The Greek word translated word of God there is the logos of God. And what this means is that, you know, the word logos um, is, the word logos represents a summation of, of the thoughts of a person you know and that summation of the thoughts is communicated either you know either verbally or um or you know written down or in whatever format but just the idea is a summation of the thought of a person that is how does this person think for instance i know i mean because i've been living with my wife for some years now i know how she thinks i know the way she would view certain things that will happen i know her. Perspective towards certain things. All right. In essence, I know her logic, the way she would analyze and think think um, about things. That is what logos means in in summary. That how does a person think entirely, or how does a person communicate? What is the ideology of this particular person? And this logos, right? The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He is the Logos of God. You know, the word Logos is where we get the word, the English word logic from, okay? And what that simply means is the, a way of thinking. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is that Logos. Jesus Christ is the Logos of God. So if we want to know the way God thinks, then we should study Jesus Christ. If we want to know the way God would approach certain things, we should study Jesus Christ. If we want to know the way God would do business, Right, we study Jesus, Jesus Christ. We want to know the way God will do marriage. We study Jesus Christ. We want to know the way God will do, um, would do anything. Will r- rule a nation. Would whatever it is. We should study Jesus Christ. That's exactly what he means. So Jesus Christ is the Logos of God. He's the idea of God communicated in a human form. And so John chapter one says that in the beginning was the Word and the word was with God, and the word was God, all right? So in that beginning was the logos of God, and everything God wants to communicate to us, he communicated through his word, through the logos of God, through Jesus Christ himself. And we just saw that every scripture points to Jesus, all right? You know, some people have argued before and said, "Um, well, Jesus Christ did not marry, so how We, we don't know how Jesus Christ would have behaved if he was married. But that is not true. Yes, Jesus Christ did not marry, but we know how he would behave if he married because every scripture points to him. So if you read scripture, you would understand Jesus Christ, even though he did not go through that experience physically. Do you get what I'm saying? So he did not marry. Yes, he did not marry on earth, but we understand how he would have acted if he was married or we understand how he expects us to act as married people because we are reading scripture um somebody will say well jesus christ did not have to uh jesus christ did not have to write um ilts for instance so he might not how is he able to help me he's able to help you because every part of scripture talks about jesus christ and in scripture we can find god's idea god's mindset towards at that exam all right or towards any exam you're writing this is just an example But what I'm pointing out, again, is that everything we want to know about God is communicated through Jesus Christ. And the way we know Jesus Christ is through scriptures. So this, my summary or the summation of everything I'm saying for us today as a foundation is that you will never get to understand how God speaks if you are not acquainted with the word of God. All right. If you're not acquainted with scriptures, what we call the word of God what is written in the Bible, the written word of God is the foundation to understand the speakings of God, because you will not know how God speaks if you have not, if you are not acquainted with his word. All right. So the written word of God gives us access to the speakings of God, gives us um, accuracy to the speakings of God. So every time God speaks, he speaks through his word. It might not be a direct quote of God's word, but the foundation is rooted in God's word, and this is the summary of all everything I've been trying to say so far: that the knowledge of God's word, the Bible, is the foundation for every for understanding the way God speaks. God will not speak anything that contradicts His written word of God, because these scriptures talk about Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is the embodiment of all the speakings of God. All right, let me read one scripture, one last scripture for us. Um, Hebrews chapter four. Verse 12 to 13, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12 to 13, all right? So it says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Verse 13, he says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. When he says his sight, this is referring to the word of God. And let me break this down again. When he says the word of God is quick and powerful. Again, the, the Greek um, rendition says the logos of God. So this is talking about the logos of God, all right? The word of God. It says then verse 13, verse 13 says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Meaning there's, there is no creature or no created thing that is not revealed before the sight of the logos, before the eyes of the word of God. It says, but all things are naked and open unto him, unto or open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So all things are open, all things are, are exposed before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, again, in the Greek, right? When it says in the eyes of whom we have to do, that is a compound word. And the Greek word there simply is translated as logos. What that means is there is nothing hidden before the eyes of the logos. And that is the word of God. So there is no experience that is not <clears throat> that is hidden from God's word. There is no season you go through that is hidden from God's word. There is no, again, experience you would ever encounter that is hidden from God's word. And this is why the knowledge of God's word is super important and is foundational to us understanding how God speaks because first and foremost, God speaks through his word. All right. God, God, the message of God is encapsulated in the written word of God. So as we study our Bibles, as we read our our Bible and read, read the word of God, we give God the opportunity to speak to us number one, but, and also we give our hearts the, um, Ability to discern the speakings of God, because what, how you know God is speaking, the primary um, filter, the first filter you know that, first, first filter rather to, to test if this is God speaking is the knowledge of God's word, is the consistency of what you hear with the word of God. And the word of God, like we said, reveals Jesus Christ. Everything in scripture reveals Jesus Christ. And we can go book by book from Genesis to Exodus to Leviticus down to Revelation. And we will see Jesus Christ in every single book of the Bible. Okay. And that is because everything God wants to speak is captured in the person of Jesus Christ. So let's study God's word more and more. I I guess I would end with an admonition and an encouragement. Let's study God's word more and more. You know, if anybody comes to tell me and say, oh, Victor, God doesn't speak to me. The first thing I'll ask you is, how much of God's word are you consuming on a regular? It is impossible to assimilate and consume God's word and God wouldn't eventually speak to you. It's very, very difficult. It is impossible. So the word of God is the foundation for the speaking of God. And that's the summary of today's, um, introductory, you know, teaching that God's word is the foundation. And this might be a call for us to go back to the word of God. Yes. I know it's very interesting when you have a dream and you say, Oh, I had a dream. And in that dream, he told me exactly where I was going to walk or you have a vision or you have an angelic encounter, which is fantastic. But the foundation of everything God says and God would speak is the word of God. All right. And the way we would avoid deception is, to be very, very, very much acquainted with the speakings of God, with the word of God. Because the word of God tells us the character of God. The word of God tells us, um, defines the boundaries of the possibilities of God and the commitment of God within our lives, okay? You know, because somebody, like I, I heard a man of God say one time that um, at some point in his life that one woman in the church, he was married already, but one woman came and said that his, his, her husband, he was already married and this woman was convinced that god spoke to he to her that he was her husband and it was almost it was going to become a very serious issue the reason why somebody can entertain that kind of deception is because the person hasn't given his or herself to the word of god and that is the number one filter we have to discerning god's voice that we are acquainted with the word with his word we are familiar with his word we know his word because his word reveals his character, reveals the level of he, the boundaries of his commitments to, he, to, um, to his speakings to us. You know, it the word of God gives us that, gives us the context for which God will speak and a context that, of which God cannot say certain things. All right. So let us get acquainted with the word of God and familiarize ourselves. Let us, you know, breathe in and out God's word. That is the foundation of God's speakings to us all right so we're going to conclude we're concluding on these notes um and then next week we we go further to see the various ways in which god speaks to us okay and that will be i mean from from next week we'll go into very very practical um aspects of this study but i wanted to lay a solid foundation for us today so that we will understand that the way god speaks is through his son jesus christ and the way we know jesus christ is through the scriptures Every scripture reveals Jesus. Every scripture talks about Jesus. And that's why we must be acquainted with Jesus, with the scriptures so that we know Jesus. And then from when we know Jesus Christ, we know we have the embodiment of the uh, message of God. All right. Okay. So I hope we learned a thing or two. Um, I know today's today's Bible study wasn't much of discussion, but I still would love to hear us. If we do have a question or Uh, we we maybe have one, we have something rather. we want to um, chip into today's conversation. All right, please let me know if you have a question, anyone, or you have a contribution you want to add to, you know, what we've said so far. Something that, a light bulb moment you had and you just want to share it with us, you know, an understanding you got you want to share with us, or a question you have, something I said that wasn't clear, or something you've heard, you know, pertaining to this topic that wasn't really clear. Um, I would love to hear from you, any question, anyone like that, um, for those of us on, for those of us on MixLR, please, you can type in your questions or your comments or anything. And we would share it out.
1: Questions or contribution. Anyone?
0: Okay, so what did you learn? Let me hear from two people today. What was one thing that you learned and it stuck with you? One thing that you learned and, you know, it stuck with you. I'm going to call um, someone on Zoom to start. So um, please forgive me if I don't pronounce this name correctly, but Uneku Tokula, please forgive me. I'm not sure I pronounce that well, but yes, can you share with us one thing you learned today or something that resonated with you? Either it was a reminder or um, you were hearing it for the first time and you learned it, or just something that you know resonated with you.
1: Yep, don't forget to unmute
0: your mic if you're speaking. Um, I'm not sure if I pronounce that very well, but please pardon me. Okay. Anyone? Else? All right. All right. Anyone else? One thing you learned today before we go. Quick, quick, quick. One thing before you learned today before we go. Um, what was something that stopped your heart. For those of us on Mixellar, I'm still waiting your comments. Um, one thing you learned today that was a blessing to you.
1: anyone anyone
0: I will say we didn't learn anything or what we learned was so much that we are we're trying to fit it into a short piece which of them okay so I still haven't seen anything from anyone Okay, so I'm gonna assume we are trying to, type, trying to you know, gather our thoughts and type that in. All right, so with that assumption, let me um, let me just make a few announcements before we go. Oh, but first of all, before any announcement, um, I'd like to welcome anyone who is joining us for the very first time today. If this is your first time joining us, um, we would love to meet you so kindly, unmute even on, on Zoom and just tell us your name and tell us what city you're joining us from and also how you found out about us or who invited you. And if you're on Mixella and you're joining us for the very first time, just type in in your name, where you're joining us from, and who invited you or how you got to know about us. All right? Anybody like that, please? Your very first time, just unmute and let us know your name and where you're joining us from.
1: Anybody like that? very first time joining us
0: okay okay um i don't see anyone all right um so one announcement before we go i still haven't seen what we learned today though that's quite strange um feel free to still type in what you learned before we conclude um but one major announcement for us is, remember last week we said we're moving our um, fiscal meeting, we had to move our fiscal meeting from last month, okay, so I will have it this month on the 21st of May, that is about um, three weeks from now, we're going to have a fiscal meeting or less than three weeks actually, we're going to have a fiscal meeting in Lagos State, the other, I mean, further details will be communicated to us within the course of the week, but just wanted to let us know, and for those of us in Lagos, please clear your calendars. We're going to have a physical meeting, a time of um, fellowship, a time of you know getting to meet ourselves, because we meet we meet online for for the most part. But time of getting to meet ourselves, and of course, um, fellowshipping together in God's presence. And the title of our um, our meeting is the Gospel of the Kingdom. So the material and everything will be released, you know, more uh, released rather in details as we go during the course of the week. All right. Okay. Let us pray. Um, in the name of Jesus Christ, father, we thank you for today. We thank you for understanding. We thank you for insight. We thank you for revealing to us, Lord, how you speak and showing us the foundation of your speakings. We are grateful. Oh Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ, who encapsulates the entire message that you are communicating to us. What we are asking for today, Holy Spirit, is to be diligent in our study of scriptures so that we can get to know and learn more about the person of Jesus Christ. And we understand, we can learn his character, his, his, his dealings and how he operates in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. Thank you because next week's Bible study will be an amazing time of insight and study in the name of Jesus Christ. To you be all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen.